way there, and uh, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 26. You know, we've had a lot of changes in the last few years, been incredible changes that have taken place in our daily lives, and you know, we're still trying to get back to some normalcy and uh, continue moving forward. But, you know, change is always inevitable, and change happens all the time. It's happened throughout history, and uh, Martin Van Buren wrote this letter to Andrew Jackson in 1829, January 31st. That's when railroads were starting to be first introduced, and uh, he said these words. He felt that it would be the downfall of the nation. And he said, as you know, and he wrote Andrew Jackson, who was the president at the time, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles per hour by engines which, in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers, roar and snort their way through the countryside, setting fire to crops, scaring the livestock, and frightening women and children. The Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speeds. Now, we laugh about that, but that was brand new. That was an incredible change, and it was very frightening for the people of that day. And what we go through often, when we've not experienced it before, is very frightening to us because we've never gone through those things either. And Jesus' disciples in the upper room, the 11 that are left, Judas Iscariot has already left, they too are concerned and they're very fearful because they know Jesus had said, I'm going to a place that you can't follow me and when I go, uh, I'm not going to be around any longer. And these disciples had spent three and a half years with Christ and they, were, they needed that intimacy, they needed that closeness, they needed that personal relationship with Him. So they're very fearful because they've basically quit their jobs, dedicated their lives to the Lord and follow Him. And now they hear these words, I'm going to a place that you cannot come to. So they're very, very fearful, and we are going to pick up reading. If you'll stand with me in honor of the Word of God, we're going to start reading in chapter 14 and in verse number 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, 
If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and, our, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you, heard, you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would just give us divine wisdom and direction. I pray, Father, you would open our minds and our ears and our hearts to understand your word and your truth. And Lord, we just pray that you would bring peace to us as a nation, you would bring peace to us as a church, and you would bring peace to us as individuals and families. And Father, we would just show the world what it truly is like to be a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, last week, in verses 1 through 11, we saw that Jesus was telling the disciples, I'm going away, and I'm going to make a place for you. And then I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then he tells them today, because I'm going away, greater works you're going to do than I have been doing. And, and, and that, that's very confusing for them. And he says, I'm going to go away, make that dwelling place, and you are going to be working until I come back to get you. And uh, two things, two major points I want to make in our text today. And the first one is, true disciples will accomplish great things. True disciples will accomplish great things. Look at verse 12 again, what he said. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of, of these crises of our times, we look around and, and people can become very fearful. And Jesus said, you don't need to fear because I'm going to go away and you're going to do greater things than I'm doing here. And, and their minds were surely racing. Now, if he goes away, how are we going to do great things? How are we going to accomplish anything? Because everything that we've accomplished has been because of him. And I'm guessing they were thinking, surely this can't be so. That, that, that's not, that doesn't even make sense that we can accomplish greater things when he's gone than we're here stranded without him. How's that going to work? But Jesus doesn't leave it, leave it there. He takes it another step. He said uh, the greater things that they're going to do, and he gives us the key, and he gave them the key too, and the key is he who believes. He who believes. First off, you have to be a believer. And that's the promise that was given through the apostolic age and down to our age today. You'll do these great things. Well, we have just seen Jesus as we've been studying through the John's gospel. We've seen the incredible things that he's done. John chapter 2, what did he do? Turned water into wine. And then in John chapter 4, what, what did he do? Well, he read the mind of the Samaritan woman. Remember, at the well in Samaria, he read her mind and told her things she just couldn't understand. And then in, in, in John chapter 4 also, he healed the nobleman's son. John chapter 5, he healed a man who had been crippled from birth that was 38 years old. In Matthew or John chapter 6, he walked on water. And also he fed 5,000 people. And you're thinking, how in the world could we do greater things than that? And then he healed a blind man who had been blind from birth. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. So how can we do greater things than that? Well, 
Here's the answer. If you'll hold on, I'll get to it in just a minute. Jesus helped the disciples through everything they had done. He was teaching them about the purpose of their work and giving them the power to do that work. In verse 13 and 14, he says, and there's two keys here. He repeats it in verse 13 and 14. And whatever, here's the key. You ask in my name. You ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, some people take that as a blank check. All I've got to do is say, Lord, in your name, make me a millionaire. Lord, in your name, let me do these things. But where's the focus on that? The focus is on us, right? And, 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 and the focus is not to be on us. The focus is to be on the Lord and His, His work, His goal, His glory. And, and often what happens is we do that switch and, and we say, Lord, I, I, I need this. I want this. But he says it twice. If you ask anything in my name, in my name. And many times we hear that verse and uh, we think it's a license to ask for whatever we want to ask for. But that's not it. Here's, here's the issue. He's talking and teaching about divine alignment. And what divine alignment is, is here is his will we're over here and we have our will. And what he's saying to us, listen, you've got to align with my will if you're going to receive the things and for, that you pray about. So it's not what you want, but it's what I want and you just align with me. So it's about divine alignment. And then begin to understand the purpose and the goal of Christ. So to pray anything and ask for anything in Jesus' name, listen, we must, what we must do, number one, is petition the Lord. We must petition the Lord concerning this. And as we petition the Lord, and he says, anything in my name, in verse 13 and verse 14, that what we understand about that is, is there's that tendency to go off the tracks. But Jesus says, listen, if you'll just align with me divinely, then all is going to be well. And uh, all works that Christ accomplished, he will accomplish through us. It's interesting because... Greater works than these will you do. And you say, well, how in the world is that going to happen? I've not been able to heal anybody. I've not been able to raise anybody from the dead. Listen, the greatest miracle that could ever be done is this. To share faith with someone in Jesus Christ and then they become a follower of Christ. That is the greatest miracle of all because it takes you from death to life. And, and what we need is Christ to come and give us that life-giving breath and spirit. And uh, too often we think of other things. But let me, let me give you an example. As Jesus leads us, in John chapter 10 verse 25, it says these words. Jesus answered, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, that's the key, they bear witness with me. So what is he saying there when you put it with John chapter 14, starting in verse 12 through 26? Here's what he's saying. When we petition the Lord in the Lord's name and we align divinely with the Lord's uh, purpose for us, then we begin to accomplish the things that He wants us to do. And we can accomplish great things, but it's not about us. It's about Him, and it's in His name that we accomplish these things. But the glory doesn't go to the person. The glory goes to the Father. And that's the one key, because too often you see people trying to glorify themselves. I just watched this uh, documentary on uh, Jim Jones and uh, the People's Temple. And everything was about him. Everything was about him. The, it was about him getting money. It was about him 
doing terrible things with church members. Everything focused on Him. And the focus is not on us. The focus is on the Father. And we bring glory to Him as we work for His goals. Divinely align with Him in your prayer life. We don't get everything we ask for. And some people say, well, I prayed about that and I didn't receive it. Well, divinely align with the will of God. Say, Lord, what is your will and what is your purpose? And Father, I just want to be involved in that. Prayer isn't asking God what we, for what we want. It's about asking for God to accomplish through us what He wants. And that's what divine alignment is. Now, I think also that we misunderstand prayer because we try to make the focus about us. Uh, but here's what prayer truly is. Prayer is a battle cry from God's soldiers who are behind enemy lines and we're saying, Lord, direct me, direct me. I need your divine wisdom and direction and I'm in a battle here, Lord, and help me through this. Well, there's a second thing about true disciples and what they will accomplish and it's this. It's all about glorifying the Lord. So we must glorify the Lord in what we are doing. And as we glorify the Lord, that is the litmus test if we're truly followers of Christ. Does this bring glory to the Father? Does this bring glory to the kingdom? Or is it the focus on me? And the accomplishment in verse 13, part B, it said, If you ask anything, verse 13, excuse me, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And that's the purpose, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we are working to glorify the Lord, not the church, not ourselves, but it's about Him. Now the condition is, what governs this is whatever we ask, whatever we ask. Now how can we glorify the Lord through our works. Well, look back at the last passage from last week, verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sakes of the works themselves. I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. And the things that I accomplished, listen, believe me because of those works. And when you put verse 11 and verse 12 together, you get the full story there. And, uh, as we put verses 11 and 12 together, you can understand that Jesus was talking about glorifying the Lord and the work that we will accomplish will cause others to believe in one true Savior. And that which should shape the way we act, the way we think, the way we live. So in our actions, what we're doing, we are positioning ourselves to align with the Lord. And people begin to ask the question then, uh, how do you do that, or what are you doing, or how are you accomplishing those things? And our answer is simply, it's the Lord, the Holy Spirit within me. And it's all about Him. Now, think about it like a floodlight. You ever been outside? We used to play outside basketball, and we'd have a floodlight. And uh, you couldn't see what was that side of the floodlight in the dark, but you could see everything that the floodlight illuminated. And... In the same way, what we are doing is illuminating, reflecting the light of the Lord. And as we reflect the light of the Lord, just like the moon, the moon doesn't produce light. The sun produces light. It illuminates the moon. And that's what we do. We are not the light bearers. The light comes through us from the Holy Spirit, from the Father. And then we get to accomplish great things because of Him, and it brings glory to Him. Second major point is this. 
True disciples will abide in Christ. Now, Jesus gave uh, some clear markers of true disciples. In verse number 15, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. So if you love me, uh, and you're going to keep my commandments because then we will know that you're true disciples because you're abiding in me. And then he said in verse number 21, he said these words, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him. And then in verse number 23, he says these words, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, all three of those passages are about abiding, about abiding, about abiding. And when I say abiding, that means the closeness. Just like in John 15 that we'll get to later. He said that the, that the vine is the thing that produces the nourishment. The limbs are what receives that. They don't produce it themselves. So what we get comes from Him, and that's why He said you need to abide in Me, because if you don't abide in Me, you can't produce fruit. But you, when you abide in Him, you can produce much fruit. So the whole point is being obedient to the commands of the Lord. And uh, then He tells us this, we'll have a helper to get us through. In verse number 16, He said, I'll pray the Father, and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. You know the key to doing greater works is because Jesus on the earth in a physical form could only be at one place at one time, but there are over 2 billion Christians worldwide. So the influence is everywhere. So the greater work, guess what? Multiply the works. And that's why if we're going to do great things, we have to abide. And here's the kicker. Are you listening? The reason great things aren't happening in America and the Christian church is because we're not abiding. We're not abiding. And when we realize the power of the Lord and we abide in Him, we'll see incredible things happen. I mean, think about it. All of the things that transpired. Uh, look at verse 18 real quick. And it says these words, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. I mean, that's the whole thing. They felt like they were going to be left orphans. He said, no, you're not going to be left orphans. I'm going to send the helper. He will come to you. And we know that He does. And when he said that, he wasn't talking about his resurrection. He wasn't talking about his future reign. What he was talking about was they would accomplish great things through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So we have a Father, and we, we have that spirit within us of adoption because we would see in Ephesians chapter 1, that the Holy Spirit comes as a down payment for what our future is going to be and the blessing that we receive. Now, let me illustrate it this way. Our two children, Josh and Crystal, we bought them bikes. And that bikes had training wheels. And they would just pedal their little hearts out. You know, and... and and we were on the Air Force Base, and they would just pedal, pedal, pedal down the sidewalk. And then we were here at my grandmother's. 
and it was the 4th of July. And we're going to shoot fireworks. And they had their, their, their bikes. And they would ride from my mother's house down to my grandmother's house, which was not very far. And Josh would ride down there, and he'd slam on his brakes just before he hit the porch. But this particular time, his training wheel broke. Panic. He ran into the porch, cut up his chest, crying. Sandy took him in, took care of him, brought him back out. And I was going to try to fix the training wheel. She said, no, you're not. Take them off. Take them off. So I took the training wheels off. And, and Josh said, no, 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 no. I said, son, I've got the handlebar and I've got the back of your seat. We're good. So he, he would ride. He kept looking, make sure I was there. And I said, now I'm just going to hold the back of your seat. So I'm holding the back of his seat. He's, he's constantly looking back to make sure I'm still there. And then I, after a while, I said, Josh, I'm going to turn loose of you. I didn't tell him when. I turned loose, and he's doing good. And then he panics, and he looks back. And I'm not there. So you know what he does? Crashes. He wrecks. And as, as you think about that illustration, think of the disciples. Jesus has always been there holding the back of the seat and holding the handlebars. But now he's about to take the training wheels off and let them go. And that's what happens in our life. True disciples will accomplish great things because we come to the place where we have the helper with us and then we were able to accomplish great things. Well, what happened after a few times of, of, of me taking my hand off? He got more confident, more comfortable. And then pretty soon he's riding all over the place. What changed? Confidence that he could accomplish it. And we need confidence that we can accomplish great things because of our great God. And we need to work to do that. You know, it's a powerful testimony that Jesus gives in verse 17 and 18. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And then in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 28, remember that great Statement, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And here it is, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A little boy one time said to his Sunday school teacher, I wish my name was Lo. He said, what? I wish my name was Lo. Why? Because Lo, he's always with you. And now think, think about this. The, the Lord is always with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Now, lastly, the last thing I want to share with you is this. We will have Christ in us. Christ will be in us. In verse number 20, he says these words. At that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. That union with Christ is possible. To have that indwelling spirit within us living and doing these great works that God wants us to accomplish that glorify Him. And you talk, when you start talking about this, I mean, there's so many things that are, that, that are humanly just not possible. But the Spirit of God working within people make it possible. Anything that is good within the believer comes from the work of the Father in Him. And Christ is doing that work through us. Jesus answered them in verse number 23 with this. 
He said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That word home is the same word that Jesus used in John chapter 14, verse number 2, when he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. It's the same word in the Greek language, mone, which means home. So he's going to make our home with us. Now, what's that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means that it's not only a future promise, but it's a present promise. That he makes our home with us. Now, he's going to make a dwelling place eternally in the heavens for us, but Jesus hasn't left us orphans here. He's come to live within us, and he's preparing us to come and live with him. So we can say with confidence... This is a wonderful day, but a better days are coming. Better days are coming when we are in the very presence of Almighty God. And what we need to pray for is, Lord, would you work through me? Would you allow me to stay abiding in you? Lord, would you allow me to do the things that you want to accomplish through my life? Lord, come and live in my life. Make your dwelling place there. And here's the thing. In Revelation 3.20, to every person, he does this. I stand at the the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. The whole key comes to this. Before we can do anything, anything, we have to open the door of our lives and hearts and say, come in, come in. And then... The abiding. But did you notice, and, and anybody ever seen that picture uh, of uh, the Lord standing at the door knocking? Anybody ever see that picture? That, and guess what? There's no outside doorknob. The doorknob's on the inside. We have to open it. And then he will come in. If you've never opened your heart to him and your life, would you do that today? And abide in him and do great works for his glory. Would you do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Your grace is always sufficient. And Lord, I know that uh, you desire to enter our lives and control us and to be upon the throne of our hearts. And Father, we can't be on that throne. Only one person can be on that throne, and that has to be you. So Lord, give us divine alignment. Give us your leadership and your guidance. Help us to know that you are with us and in us And, Lord, through you, we can accomplish great things. And my prayers for anyone here that has never given their life to you and followed in believers' baptism would come today. Father, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.